I'm only just one of the surrounding planets in your universe. Yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> please. You calling me fat? Is that what that is? Welcome to another episode of the Baseball STL Podcast and another season of wonderful, glorious baseball. I'm J.J. Bailey, lead beat writer for Baseball STL and KMOV, and I am joined today by the incomparable Maurice Drummond, KMOV's own sports director. Cardinal camp is underway. Pitchers, catchers, a few position players reported to sunny Jupiter, Florida, and Maurice was there to greet him, and that's what we're talking about today. All the news out of camp so far. Where does Jaime Garcia see himself fitting this season? How does Adam Wainwright view a perhaps reduced workload? How does Michael Walker's shoulder respond? And what players that were just youngins a year ago are now seasoned vets? We cover all that and more, and a bonus Mike Matheny story at the very, very end. So please stick with us, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. How's the weather down there? Is it better? Is it warmed up finally? Well, I, I'm going to say this. You know, JJ, it's been cold down here, okay? And I know that no one wants to hear that someone in Florida covering spring training is having any hardships. But I'm telling you, man, when we came down here, it was, they had record lows uh, for wind chill. And so it's funny, so I'm, I'm on the air, you know, back in St. Louis, and I'm talking about wind chill down here, and, and I'm getting text messages, are you crazy? It's single digits <laughs> out here. But yeah. I'm telling you, it was cold. I mean, I went on the air with my heavy coat that I had on in St. Louis. And you should have seen the hysterics down here. They're telling people, hey, listen, you need to go to, if you need heat shelters, we have them set up for you. They're telling parents with kids standing at bus stops, stay inside, and when you see the bus, run for the bus. Don't stand outside. <laughs> it, it was 50, okay? I mean, it was, it, was, it was cold, don't get me wrong, but, you know, there were people who were really uh, having a hard time, I guess, with the Siberian Express. Uh, that was going across the United States. I mean, St. Louis, uh, you know, it's getting that cold too. But um, today and the rest of the week, it's going to be in the 80s. So uh, all is well uh, down here in uh, FLA. Well, thank thank goodness because I was going to send you a care package. I was really worried about you guys. You know, I'm worried about you guys freezing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet you will. <laughs> uh, well, you know, let's let's open it up. What do you know? What's the vibe down there, despite the cold? I'm sure that uh, everybody's still happy to be out of the Midwest and in some sunshine. And what's the uh, what's the overall vibe from from camp? Well, I think what you see right now. Well, first of all, I, I have to talk about the you know the fact that there's so many of the position players here, JJ. I mean, um, you know, years ago, uh, you know, and I think it's just you know more of a, you know the culture now. I mean, I think years ago, you know, you had let's go back say 50 years. You know, you may have had uh, guys that had jobs off the side, um, you know, who were ball players, but you know, had other jobs, and they would basically come into uh, camp to get in shape. Well, now guys, you know, they they train all year round. A lot of athletes, you know, live and you know, have second homes in, in in Florida and Arizona where they can work out and and have uh, places near the facilities where they can easily you know have access and stay in shape. You know, so guys are coming in in great shape. Well, and it's a good thing that the camp isn't opening with some of those scandals that you see every few years about some guy coming in overweight or or maybe not being prepared as, as, as much as the club had hoped. But, you know, this spring is not without drama because 
Jaime Garcia, well, he says he's a starting pitcher. I've been a starting pitcher my whole career since I was a little kid and never done anything different. Uh, I prepared myself this offseason to be a starting pitcher, just that's what I've always done. But uh, if, if it comes down to where, you know, they, they're trying to go a different direction at the end of spring training or in the middle, we'll sit down and talk about it. Well, I guess the problem is that that's great that he says that, but uh, I don't see a spot for him anywhere. That That is a problem, and you're right. It's probably an uncomfortable subject, and uh, to be honest with you, I think that John Mazalock and Mike Matheny, I think, are, I'll, I'll, I'm going to say, pleasantly surprised that he's pitching well right now, or at least, you know, going through, you know, going through the exercises, going through his bullpen with no pain. But I'm going to tell you, I have never seen in the years that I've covered Jaime Garcia. I can't remember seeing this guy this, not only, I'm not going to say focused, because I think, you know, all athletes have a focus to him. Hmm. But there is a defiance, there is a, a, a hardened shell that I've never seen from Jaime Garcia. I think he realizes that his career's on the line. You know, he he see he feels the the pinch. He feels that not only they get the competition. A competition is is when you, you you look around you and say, okay, I'm I'm with I'm going against this guy for this spot. Right. They, I can't see where he's competing with anybody, and but yet I, I see where, and I can. This is my feeling from from being around him this past week. I feel a guy who doesn't want to go out and be that guy that, that said, well, I just took the money and ran. You know, I, I, I got paid. It didn't work out physically, but I'm done. The guy's not rolling over, and I, I give him a lot of credit. He has shown something that I have never seen in covering Jaime Garcia. Well, and I think, you know, <clears throat> I think pressure is a good word because as we remember when, when he announced that he was having the surgery and that he had decided I'm going to get this thoracic outlet syndrome addressed by surgery, it was quite icy when John Mozeliak announced it. John Mozeliak was not super thrilled with how he found out that information. And I think there was a level of frustration visible from him that this is a guy that the Cardinals have tried to accommodate many times cannot stay healthy, and it's hard to ignore $9 million as a price tag. And I think Jaime Garcia believes that that thoracic outlet syndrome was the root cause to all of his elbow, shoulder, hand problems, everything. I think he's feeling that not just within the organization, not just the fans, but just about everybody who's followed baseball for the last few years is going, right, show me then. Because, yes, it'd be great if Jaime Garcia came back and threw well, and when he is throwing steadily, he is throwing well. But I think everybody is looking at him with skepticism, and only skepticism. Not only does he have to prove that he's healthy, he then has to prove that he can outpitch a member of the rotation, and really the only member of the rotation that he is up against, if you want to call it a competition, would be Carlos Martinez. Carlos Martinez lost out to Joe Kelly last season in spring training. I don't know what Jaime Garcia would have to do to work his way into even the discussion of the rotation. The guy threw 99 innings over two seasons. He's seven games last year. Yeah, and yeah. there's no spot in the bullpen. And, and, well, and, and, and I think that in the bullpen. even if you want to take the bullpen where there's five righties conceivably, if you put everybody who's expected to make it, make it maybe two lefties, maybe a 4-3, however you want to break it down, the bullpen is full. And if it's not full... 
it doesn't sound like he's particularly interested. We can talk about it is not the same thing as, you know, I'll do whatever it takes, you know, to get on the field, whatever the team needs to help, you know, for me to help him win. That's not the same as we can talk about it. The fact that he keeps reinforcing and keeps doubling down on the fact I'm a starter. Okay. If he's a starter and John Mozeliak has said, I don't know if I want to put him in the bullpen because getting up, getting down multiple times a game, multiple days work, you don't know how that affects his body. He's already injury prone. What does this mean for him? Because it almost sounds, and I, I, I and tell me if I'm putting words in his mouth because I don't want to do that at all, but it almost sounds like he would very much resent a reliever role. So what do you do with him? What do you do with that arm? It's a $9 million arm right now. It's a $9 million arm with no spot. So the question is, and let's, let's ask a hard question right now. What's he doing there? Uh, wh- wh- where is he going to be? Is he, is he trade bait? Are they going to... Uh, let him just maybe look healthy, and and maybe someone uh, by the end of training, by the end of uh, spring training, might say, "Hey, uh, is, is Jaime healthy? Uh, you know, what, what can what can I get for him? You know, can I can I give you something for him? You know, I'm I'm wondering, are they trying to maybe nurse him back to health to maybe try to get something for him? Because right now, there's no spot for Jaime Garcia. Period." There's no spot there. You know, Chris Raby from KMOX was, I think, uh, last week, perhaps two weeks ago, two weeks ago, and he said that's the best-case scenario, and I think I agree with him. The best-case scenario for Jaime Garcia is that he gets traded and the Cardinals get something in return. He's got his 9-2 this year. The team options for the next two seasons are 11-5 and 12, but the buyout is 500000 Jaime Garcia could throw 300 innings, discover the cure for cancer, and strike out 1,000 batters, I don't think the Cardinals would pick up his option anyways. So yeah. even let's say that he comes back 100% healthy and he's an effective pitcher. I don't think they're going to s- spend another season with Carlos Martinez in the bullpen. I think this is his spot. I think that there is some loyalty. Again, you correct me if I'm wrong here. I think there is a bit more loyalty or at least – equity between the club and Carlos Martinez than exists between the club and Jaime Garcia? I don't think there's any question about it. I, I think, look, I think that when you look at Jaime's past and the injury history, you know, I, I think that they would love to see him pitch well. In fact, John Mazzalock said it the other day. He said, hey, we're a better team if Jaime Garcia is pitching well and, and add him to the competition. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say this. I'm going to say, hey, the more the merrier. Right, yeah. You know, guys can hurt. You know, guys, guys can get hurt. Guys can go down. Um, guys come up with sore arms. But, you know, the, the problem is that Jaime has not had the history of, of durability. Now, he's saying he's fine now, and you hope the best for the guy. But, you know, at the same time, when you're looking at that, that other spot, that fifth spot, you also have Marco Gonzalez, and, and the kid's pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got easy. He's not bad. I mean, he's a, he's a young guy, and he's and as, as he told me this week, he says he's still trying to add tools to his tool belt, and he's got a pretty good tool belt right now. He's very advanced for his for his uh, you know for his for his age and experience. Um, but I would have to say that they lean towards Carlos Martinez primarily. A, he's been there before in this spot, but he's also really shown some maturity, and, and unfortunately, it probably came. Because of the death of his of his good friend, I think he really started to really assess his career, assess his life. I think the organization is, is really, I think they're really, I'm not going to say, you know, privately rooting for him. Uh, those are my words, not theirs. 
I think they really want to see him take a step because of the maturity that they've been, he's been able to, to display so far. I think this has really done something for him to to just kind of galvanize him. You know, he was always a competitor, and he was always a, a terrifically talented young man, and, and, and now it's just kind of put it into overdrive. To close it down with Jaime Garcia, I believe that he is an incredibly talented pitcher when he's healthy. Uh, obviously, when he's healthy means that he's not healthy all that much. But a team will absolutely take the gamble that there are good years left and that there could be three to five years of Jaime Garcia being a starting pitcher. I don't think that team's going to be the Cardinals, and I do not think there's a scenario uh, where that team is the Cardinals. And I think this is what you said, is it is a, a trade audition period. But Jaime's not the only one hoping to make a good impression in camp. Obviously, uh, there's some young guys, some position players there early uh, who – project to be part of the club's plans going forward. Tell me about some guys that are in there putting a little bit of extra work. Um, you know, when you're talking about position players uh, that are in place, look, I'm really intrigued right now by uh, some of the younger guys that are really made a great impact uh, during the postseason. Guys like Colton Wong, uh, guys like Matt Adams. Um, these were two guys who, who had their struggles at times during the year, but when it came to the postseason, um, we really saw these guys make a jump. And I had a chance to talk to Matt Adams, and I asked him about the lefty thing and, and developing. And, you know, he said that he had a conversation with John Jay uh, in the second half of the year. And evidently, uh, there was some drill or some type of uh, exercise of some sort that, that John Jay had developed or, or had been using to help him hit against left-handers. And if you notice, J.J., during the playoffs, uh, both Wong and uh, Matt Adams hit very well against left-handers. And remember the playoffs. I mean, you're talking about the big home run off of, of Kershaw, uh, you know, where Matt Adams skipped around the bases. And, and so, basically, I'm, I'm really looking at these two guys, Matt Adams and Colton Wong, two very good friends. Uh, they both told me how they, they both are, are just the best of friends. Uh, two guys were about a year apart in turn major league service, but uh, these guys have a connection. And it's interesting because you have one guy that's really big, one guy that's really small. Yeah, it's like, it's like a of mice and men. It's like a George and Lenny situation from of mice and men. <laughs> exactly. Like a mice and men. You know, they, you know these two guys are, are just uh, unbelievable friends, but I, I think they're you know two guys who are definitely uh, the building blocks as they continue to build or at least not build, but, you know, two guys who are going to continue to be a big part of this uh, this organization. Well, and I think definitely, you know, uh, Colton Wong and Matt Adams have been uh, focal points of a couple of our conversations here on this podcast, you know, because they are going to be such uh, integral parts of the team going forward. And, you know, guys that are now on, you know, second full turns through the majors, uh, whatever John Jay passed along hitting lefties, uh, couldn't have gone better at the postseason. You know, Colton Wong didn't hit anything that wasn't an extra base hit, and Matt Adams hit probably the most statistically unlikely home run when he took a Kershaw curveball out. I don't think that Kershaw gives up home runs to lefties, and certainly not on the curve. And big city can swing a big bat, but we do know that left-handers are a bit of a kryptonite. So whatever tips he got, they really seem to work out. But, uh, you know, you had mentioned when we were checking in earlier about Colton Wong, uh, him coming into camp and – it seems like, you know, I, I'm curious to see where he's at coming into camp this year because he has lived a lifetime in 
about about a season and a, a an eighth, I guess, if you call it count as is his call up in 2013. You know, he had that that World Series uh, heartbreaker, and then last season was just about everything that uh, major leagues can throw at a guy. So where's he coming in now? You know, I I asked him about just how I said, you know, what you run the gamut. You know, you really came in really being declared as the starter, struggled, got sent down, lost some confidence, uh, came back, and had an incredible postseason. So you're right, J.J., uh, this guy you know, just really just uh, went through probably every type of emotion uh, possible for a young player and, and really came out on top. Um, one thing about him, and I was watching him in the clubhouse, um, there are two tables that players uh, sit at when they either play cards or have meals. There's the there's the big boy table, you know, where the veterans sit, and then there's the second table where it's basically the young guys, you know, the no-name guys are just trying to make it. Hmm. And I remember Colton Wong being at that other table, and and now to see him, he's really the life of the clubhouse. I mean, they a lot of the players call him Wong. They come by his lap, you know, Wong, hey, hey, Wong, Wong. And, and you just kind of watch him, the way he goes about it. Uh, he is such a likable guy. You could tell his teammates really, uh, you know, just really have a lot of respect for him. And, but to be that young and to have that kind of respect still, I mean, usually there's, I'm not going to say hazing, but, you know, but there, there, is, a, there is a process. There is uh, sort of a rite of passage that players have. And I think that he gains so much respect from those players. He's, he's one of the guys. I mean, he is really a part of the glue that, that, that holds that clubhouse together. He is so likable. Well, and he's, and he, you know, he really handles the media well, too. You know, you remember uh, when he gets picked off in the World Series, and, and I don't want to keep talking about that because that's, you know, ancient history now, but he stood there and, you know, he answered those questions, and that wound couldn't have been... Everyone, fr- yeah, through tears. Yeah, couldn't have been fresher for him, and he still answered all those questions. And you go back to, to last season, and, you know, anytime. I'm in the clubhouse and, you know, we're talking hitting or we're talking fielding or, you know, an upcoming series. He's a guy that will always, you know, he'll give the media two, three, five minutes of his time, no matter what, you know, you know, whether last night was bad or good, he handles it uh, like a guy that's been through 10 years of interviews. Now I realize uh, getting some of the questions that he got, at least early in the season, you know, you age pretty quickly, but that's a characteristic, you know, that the Cardinals really enjoy in their players, guys that really carry themselves well, that mature fast. It's really fun to watch him play baseball, but it's watching off the field that you really start to like him because he's somewhere along the line last season and probably in the second half, he really settled in to being a major leaguer. And I think that was the biggest hurdle for him was coming to grips with the fact that you're here, this is your job, you've made it, don't live and die with every success and failure. Because even Mike Matheny said, no one could put more pressure on Colton Wong than Colton Wong. And I think what's really helped him is once you settle into that gig in the majors, you learn to manage disappointment. So it's it's a good sign that he's come in this season already in that relaxed place, it seems. I had a conversation with the great Lou Brock down here. Of course, you know, here's a Hall of Famer, and I think that, you know, any time a Hall of Famer speaks and and gives comparisons you're you're going to listen and you know Lou said you know what he said when I look at Colton Wong you know he said look I know he's a young guy but you know he has some Joe Morgan like qualities that's from <laughs> Lou Brock that's what Lou Brock told me you know when you're talking about short in stature power bat quick feet good defense listen Joe Morgan's a Hall of Famer but when you 
have a Hall of Famer like Lou Brock saying, you know, I see Joe Morgan in him. JJ, what a compliment that is, huh? He's really opened a lot of eyes. I, I think he really has because a guy that small that has that fast of hands, when he hits home runs, they are not eking over the wall. His home runs are generally no doubters off the bat. And yeah, blind shots. Yeah, and you combine that with an incredible discipline in the field and an incredible work ethic to continue to get better there. You know, he's in, in his speed, you know, you're looking at a, a five to a player. Last year he came in, he was earmarked. Yeah, he's the second baseman. But there was an insurance policy purchased in the form of Mark Ellis. This season, that's not there. This is second base is all Colton Wong now. And so yeah. it took one year for him to win the spot. And that's, you know, that's that's got to be exciting for the franchise because, and, and we'll, we'll use this as a segue now because they've got, you know, Matt Adams working on his things, Colton Wong really coming into his own, and the new face in camp, Jason Hayward. Yes, and what a presence he is. You know, we talked about him after winter warm-up, um, but I'm going to take this to another level. Um, you know, watching him work, first of all, <laughs> you know, he is a mammoth of a man. Uh, he's only he's 25. He's, he's, he's a big, big man, <laughs> but what an athlete. Um, but I'm going to tell you something about his presence, and we saw the presence at the winter warm-up, you know, with the fans. But now I'm watching him in the clubhouse and interact with, with, you know, with coaches and, and players. And he seems to be a guy that just really just has a great, not only a great personality, but a, a guy who knows how to relate to different people. You know, he's a really bright guy. And I was watching him one day, uh, again, at that veteran table. Uh, and he was talking with Matt Holliday and, and Matt Carpenter and Adam Wainwright was there. And you could see, uh, Hayward kind of hand, uh, Adam Wainwright his phone, and they were, I guess they were kind of exchanging notes. Uh, you could see an exchange of, of ideas as if to say, you know, hey, here's the new guy. What are you like? Hey, what, what's, what are you up to? And, and then at the same time, I see him out at batting practice, you know, talking to a John Mabry and exchanging ideas out there. And, and he's out there, he's laughing, he's having a good time. Um, when he walks into a room, and, and I'm going to tell you, I covered Michael Jordan when he was with the Wizards um, in Washington. And the first time that Michael Jordan walked into the room, you know, at 6'6", with a big suit for a press conference, you say, whoa, look at that presence there. I'm not sitting here telling you that Jason Hayward is Michael Jordan, but I'm talking about this, the presence of this, this large man, but this great athlete. I really believe that if he can do anything out in the right field, home runs, <laughs> the gold glove, he is your ticket to your face of the franchise, but he, he's the whole package. And now you see him on the field. You know, we, we've been talking all winter about what are we going to see, and you can clearly see that this guy is someone who can really um, have an impact, I think, um, in the locker room as well. He has – there's something about him. There, there's a uh, – whether it's a Pied Piper, I can see people following him. I can see where he could be a link, you know, at one end of the clubhouse where, you know, someone might be a little crabby over here someone might be a little happy over here he's the type of guy to me that can really weave some good vibes in the clubhouse well and he's i mean you talk about and i don't want to fawn too much all over him because you know we've we did a whole episode about him but i will say that when you talk about miles in your years um you know he's a guy that feels like he's been a not just in the league but a a a uh, guy on the forefront in 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 the spotlight but he carries himself that way too exactly that's and so thing. i think yeah. that's i don't you know, I can't imagine a better way to augment 
a clubhouse of young guys who have been thrown into the fire very early than to bring in a guy like Jason Hayward. Listen, you know what it always comes down to. It always comes down to results, what you do mm-hmm. on the field. Bottom line is he had 11 home runs last year. And, you know, we've seen him also have 27. But one thing Mike Matheny did say uh, while we've been down here, he said that he won't be batting leadoff, essentially. You know, he wants him to be comfortable. And I just, and, and we talked about this, I, I just think that a guy like Jason Hayward needs to swing the bat. I mean, you know, I, I could see him batting fifth. I could, I could see him batting second. You know, we talked about danger in the top of the order. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, but the main thing that Mike Matheny says is that he wants Jason Hayward to be free. He wants him to, to just be comfortable and run and, and be an athlete, be someone who is, is just enjoying the game. And I got a chance to uh, sit down with him and, and just – just really talk about, I said, you know what, Jason, you're a guy who is so highly regarded coming out of high school. This guy came up, you know, from you know from Georgia, playing for the hometown team, homers in his first big league at bat to give his team a lead. Uh, and that's the funny thing. When I asked him about that, he said, you know, the best thing about that is that we took the lead on that. And, and you know, he... You know, some some guys may say, J.J., well, hey, yeah, it was great to homer my first half. He says, no, the best part about it was that it gave my team a lead. I mean, that's maturity. Um, so, But what we're going to have to see from him is, is uh, you know, maybe a return to form on, on that home run swing. Um, I'm not saying swing for the fences and, and, and be Dave Kingman or – or even uh, you know, he's just unbutton your shirt and just rip it. Well, Mark but, Reynolds is already Mark Reynolds is here, so the Cardinals already have one Mark, of those. <laughs> yeah, Mark Reynolds is already here. He is the but definition he's a, he's a of unbutton your shirt and swing, take down the moon. And we're going to definitely see that, you know, from from Mr. Reynolds. But here's a guy that can bring speed. He brings defense. You know, there's a reason why, you know, that that a lot of people see him. Um, you know, from an analytical standpoint, is being one of the best in baseball because he does so many things. He doesn't have to have a great night at the plate to be um, a winning player. You know, whether it's getting on base and stealing a base or, or, or you know, great defense or what have you, he can do a, a number of different things. I think I agree with you through our conversations. I think that you and I have the exact same projection. I think that he is going to find that great season that he says he has not had. And there's enough in the lineup that he doesn't have to carry – three or four different bags, he just gets to be himself. And I think, yeah, you know, going into the, you know, 26, you know, age 26 season, I think he's going to find a lot of room to breathe, and I think that's going to help him. I want to get into a couple of the questions that a lot of Cardinal fans have, that a lot of the media has, organization has. Adam Wainwright, how is he handling the questions of durability? <laughs> uh, well, you know, he, he, here's here's a guy who, who's got a lot of pride. Uh, here's a guy who's won a lot of games, has won a lot of big games. You know, when I got a chance to talk with Adam, he was he was pretty he was pretty upfront. I just need the ball. You know, I don't I don't need to go and sit on the bench. I'll rest when I'm done, right? I'll, you know, I got four more guaranteed years, and maybe a year or two after that, I don't know. Maybe not. We'll see when we get there. But for for the next four years, I'm going to work my tail off as hard as I can, and it's going to be a fight if you want to take me out. He's basically saying, you know what, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pitch, and uh, and even Mike Matheny, you know, we asked Mike Matheny, hey, have you had a talk with Adam? He says, oh yeah, we talked. And in the words of Mike Matheny, the man wants to pitch, <laughs> and so he, yeah, so so here we are dancing that dance again. Um, 
you know, there has to be, and, and in the words of Adam, he says, I'm still going to fight him. <laughs> Coming out of ball game. Here's, here's a stat for you. Adam Wainwright, in the last two seasons, including postseason, has thrown 520 innings. No other pitcher in Major League Baseball has thrown 500. So here's a guy who has a lot of miles in the last two seasons coming off the Tommy John, and he had cleanup surgery in the offseason. Mm-hmm. What has to happen, I think, with Adam Wainwright is the managing aspect of, of those innings. There's a bullpen out there with, with, with arms that, that I think are going to be able to provide, I think, more lung relief. Um, than we've seen in, in recent years. I think Matt Belisle is going to be a guy that's going to be able to throw, you know, multiple innings. That's why I think it was intriguing to maybe think about Jaime Garcia in that in that way because you know he is built as a starter. So maybe Jaime, you know, I know it's probably a question of maybe how many pitches he needs to warm up in certain situations, but Jaime can certainly start an inning and give you three innings because of his because of his background. In regards to Adam Wainwright, I think it's a it's a story that we're going to continue to talk about throughout the season. Every time he goes seven and it's a 3-2 game, you know, do you take him out and, and let someone else come in and, and, you know, try to either A, close the game out or just see how he feels? Uh, it, it's, it's a very, very tough decision because he's a very, as nice as he is, he is a bulldog. And he's got a very strong personality and he's a very convincing guy. Yeah. And so I think that at some point, Mike Matheny is going to have to make that tough call and say, you know what, big fella, you're out of here. You've, you've, you've done enough. There has to be a point somewhere on the line where you, you're going to have to take away some pitches during the regular season to give you a couple of postseason uh, innings later on. Now, where does if you talked to him about where he is in his offseason routine, now we're in spring, is he about where he normally is? Is he dialing it back at all? No, he, he seems to be going full go. I mean, I, I there, there's no limitations on on what he's doing. The way he's going about it, I I can't I can't see anything um, right now where Adam Wainwright is holding anything back. I mean, he's he is he is Adam Wainwright. Now moving to the other thing that people are very curious about, Michael Walker. What is he looking like in spring? How is he handling this? Uh, I feel like expectations are a little bit more fluid for him. Probably something that's pretty unique. In his career, I don't think that he's ever expected to come into a season and everyone's just hoping for 150 innings. Uh, what, what what is he like? What is he? How does he look off the mound? How is he handling all of it? You know, I was looking at him very closely, and you know, and just in talking to him, he's he looks like Michael Walker. I mean, doesn't seem to have any restrictions. Um, has kind of you know looking free and easy up there, and he says that it's it's behind him. Uh, you know, of course, we'll we'll have to uh, you know go throughout the year and, and and see where we're at. But you know, so far in spring, he doesn't seem to be a, a guy that that looks uh, limited or inhibited in any way. But he looks like Michael Walker. You know, he's got that he's got that motion. You know, that 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 jerky motion that I think that a lot of people I think are concerned about when you're talking about that you know, in regards to that shoulder. Mm, right. uh, but he he looks he looks fine so far. Um, I asked him about how he ended the year. You know, I said, you know, this was obviously. Um, a very sour finish. And I, I think it was the first time that I really heard him talk about it when I asked him. And he said, look, I, I felt like I let the team down. And I said, but you know what, Michael, I think there are probably fans and a lot of people felt like that you were compromised 
out there. Or at least, you know, what, what are your thoughts even, on even if, the feeling even if that, he was a hundred percent? You know, he hadn't thrown. He hadn't thrown in weeks. At the same time, you, you can see a guy who's still, you know, he's just like I just felt like I let the team down. I just, I mean, he's still, you know, I mean, he's moving on. But you know, he the guy really put a responsibility on himself, you know, which is tough. I mean, any any athlete, I think, has that, you know, feels that responsibility. But yeah, I don't, I, I can't really see any any mental blocks. I, I think that he, he looks mentally strong right now. I mean, he looks like he, he really has put it behind him. It's probably easy for guys to say, but I just think that he is a guy that uh, I think he's going to overcome this. Obviously, it's, you, you don't know what's waiting behind this type of injury. But as long as he's healthy, I, I think he could get back to that level. I really do. So moving from current pitchers to perhaps future pitchers, Alex Reyes, Mike Matheny had themselves a little hangout. Yeah, this week, uh, Mike Matheny, the, the Cardinal manager, uh, becoming the Cardinal catcher, at least for, for one pitcher. And you know, Alex Reyes, young guy who, by everything that we hear, probably has the best stuff of any starting pitcher in the Cardinal organization. And you know, he's 20 years old, and he was on the mound. This was probably a good 40 minutes after the workout on Sunday. And we look over and we see Mike Matheny, basically, hat with the mask on, squatting down, catching this fireballing 20-year-old. And it was interesting. And we got a chance to, uh, you know, a couple media members there, we, we actually asked them about thoughts on going out there. And it was funny because I said, Mike, you got a minute? And he said, come on, Mo. I'm like, no, man, I want to talk to you about this. I mean, <laughs> so he's, I mean, he, he didn't really see it as a big deal, you know. But, you know, we're like, hey, you know, how many times do you see the manager back there you know, catching a pitcher? Reyes isn't exactly topping out at 89. The guy, th- the guy can touch three digits. Absolutely. Mike Matheny's you know, got to be I, on TV. He's, he, I just got to protect that face catching a hundred mile an hour <laughs> fastball. I'm telling you, and of course, you know we know what a great catcher he was, and you know he said I wanted to put a little pressure on the kid. He says, you know, I was at at the same time I'm giving him tips, but I also want to see, hey, what's he made of? He says, if I'm you know I'm sitting back there, I want to see, you know, kind of maybe some of that intestinal fortitude. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm catching this kid, and I think he really wanted to see what he's made of. It was terrific. It was a great exchange uh, with those two. Reyes out obviously has a ton of talent, but it, it was interesting for me to watch Mike Matheny on Sunday because I think overall he's a guy that, first of all, he's coming off a tough postseason. Uh, they won a lot of laughs to be shared at the end of the postseason and the offseason, no. uh, you know, with the way they, they, they lost to the Giants. But it was great to see. It was a light moment during spring training. It was, it was Mike Matheny having fun. Uh, he said, "Look, he said, you know, I, you know, I catch my own boys." He said, uh, "He said, I don't see anything wrong with getting back there." So <laughs> it was to me, it was so far that's been the highlight. If, if someone says, "Hey, you know, what, what's the highlight of, of spring training?" I'm gonna say Mike Matheny having a good time, regardless of what happened this past uh, postseason. He's now gone three straight years, the only the fifth manager in baseball history to take his team to three straight NLCSs in his first three seasons. I, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, it, it wasn't an easy spot to come in behind Tony La Russa, but he's doing it his way. And and I, I got to tell you, that to see him out there and, and having a good time, I think it was uh, it was a breath of fresh air. Now, how did he look behind the plate? How? Oh, he, he, he looked pretty good. And he was also giving some instruction. And, and you could see where, you know, he would get the crouch and he's showing how to block balls and, 
you know, I mean, I'm watching myself. I mean, my son, my, my 12-year-old catches. And so I'm sitting there kind of like, huh, that's a pretty good tip. <laughs> I walk away with some pretty good tips from, uh, from a gold club winner, Mike Matheny. <laughs> you say you probably owe him a little bit. You can't just steal those tips. You probably got to give him, got to give him something. <laughs> I'd give him something. I'd say, hey, Mike, I'm going to take those tips and give him my son, okay? But when you see a guy like Mike Dettini work back there, what a pro. I mean, he, he, he definitely was one of the best of his era. Um, you know, he'll be the first to tell you that, you know, from the bat, no. You know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't uh, you know, the best hitter back there. Uh, he was efficient and got the job done. But, boy, he was as good as any catcher in his day. I think it's an, it's an incredible pairing to have him as a manager and Yadier Molina as his catcher. I, I will say, though, as far as catchers go, uh, you have to have a screw or two loose. I I played <laughs> baseball for, <laughs> for many years from the time I was seven to about the time I was 20, 21. I never once met a catcher uh, who who was had normal is that fair? All uh, there. Yeah, all there. Yeah, they're just they're a different breed, man. I I caught yeah. one time. We had our catcher couldn't make practice, so I caught one time in a scrimmage. Uh I think it went well. I don't know because I took a foul tip off the neck and uh oh. have no recollection of what happened and I remember going home and being like I am never doing that nonsense again. <laughs> I don't I don't know who would ever sign up to get behind the plate. To catch the best case scenario is somebody throws a ball that you can barely see a hundred miles an hour at you and nothing else happens and you just have to catch it. The worst case right. scenario is someone swings a big wooden club and blocks your vision and you still have to catch it. So I don't know exactly who would sign up for that, but it's not me, my man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you, it, you you take some punishment back there, there's no doubt about it. All right, that was our conversation, our first check-in from Cardinal Camp with Maurice. A lot to digest, a lot of questions. Um, I'm sure you guys have a lot of opinions yourself. You know, where does Jaime Garcia fit? Does he fit at all? Is he just a trade candidate? Or is there a scenario in which he pitches well enough that the Cardinals consider perhaps moving someone else? Maybe John Lackey, a guy they, they won't be able to sign probably beyond this year but could still fetch a high price. Uh, does Jason Hayward really project to be the franchise player? Do you expect to see him leading the way for the next phase? Guys like Colton Wong, Matt Adams, are they the real deal? I think they are, but there are plenty of uh, opinions out there that, that might disagree. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to comment on the podcast. You know, send me an email, jbailey at, at kmov.com or find me on Twitter at the JJ Bailey. Maurice is at Maurice Drummond. I uh, would love to hear from you guys, even if you just want to pick on me for being a wuss about catching. But I, uh, I really appreciate you guys listening. I hope we entertained you, and we'll uh, see you next week.